Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 53 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Mark Thompson of Digital Kickstart. Like many of us, Mark wasn't exactly cut out for having a boss, so after getting fired from his last job, he started the SEO agency, Search Creatively. While he was able to build it up into a successful agency, he realized it wasn't quite what he expected. Now, instead of having one boss, he had dozens, and in order to grow, he needs to hire more people, which increases overhead and aid into his margins. Mark caught the product bug, like many agency owners, because he saw it as a way to break free of client work and stop selling his time for money. After getting a few early wins under his belt, he quit client work altogether and went all in on products. Since making that decision, he and his team have created over 20 products that have sold for over $20 million. Today, Mark talked about how he first got started with products while still delivering client work, what he does differently in order to get these huge results, and how he and his team manage so many different products. If you ever thought about creating a product of your own, this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Mark. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you've done what many agency owners dream of. You've successfully transitioned into products. In fact, over the last few years, you guys have generated over $20 million for your products and programs, which is amazing. And so I want to start from the beginning. When did you first decide to get into products and what was that process like for you? Well, I I got fired from my very last job. I worked for a few different marketing agencies at the time, and uh, so I when I got fired from my job, I kind of did what I already knew how to do, but I did it on my own. So I started my own marketing agency, and I quickly realized that I didn't like doing it, <laughs> just simply because, um, for one, each client is like your own boss, and I hate having bosses. That's probably why I got fired from my last uh, nine to five job. And um, I, you know, so I, I did it for about three years, uh, just so I could kind of, you know, pay my my bills, just have a normal, co- you know, living expenses, pay those. And so um, I, I I stumbled across the Warrior Forum, um, you know, many years back now. It's probably been about five or six years ago, and I saw all these people launching new products, different info products, uh, training programs, and and software and plugins. And uh, I just started really following that forum. And so if you're not familiar with the Warrior Forum, it's it's the largest uh, forum on the web for internet marketers and internet entrepreneurs. And I guess one of the great things about um, starting my own marketing agency was it allowed me to be my own boss and do other things on the side, just kind of fun projects. And so I started learning about this whole idea, this whole concept of really teaching people what what you know, your your knowledge and expertise, and wrapping it up into a product and being able to go out and sell it. And that really was appealing to me because as as you know or anyone listening, if you're running any type of offline business or you're a service-based uh, industry, it's hard to scale that, right? Because once you, you know, you only have so many hours in the day and when you try to add more clients, you either, you need to bring on more staff, which, 
which equals more overhead. Um, I really liked that idea of creating a piece of software or creating a program, putting it, you know, creating a sales page and being able to sell it 24-7 and really selling as many copies as I possibly could. And so that just seeing what other people were doing really got me excited and that's kind of how I got started. So I, I started learning about the Word Forum, and, and really that's where kind of uh, I, I started spending more and more of my time um, on creating products and less time on managing and servicing clients. And so it was kind of a slow process, but it happened over a few years. Are you technically yourself? Do you program or code? I don't. I mean, my my background is in is in business, is, is in marketing. I mean, whenever I I know just kind of some basic uh, things like from an SEO perspective, I know how to upload a file or update meta tags and do things like that. But um, no, I mean, I when I've you know I've never learned how to code uh, PHP or anything like that. So, what was your first product? Was it an info product? Was it like a plugin? What was it? Um, actually, the first product I ever created was, was it's called a uh, Link Builders Toolkit. And basically, um, since my background was really, I specialized in SEO, I, I did a lot of SEO services. Um, I always wish that there was a like an Excel file or, or some sort of a database where I could pull from high quality places that I could build backlinks for, um, whether it's for my clients or for my own site, so I could rank my sites higher. And I, that, that's essentially what the product was. It was an Excel sheet, and it was organized by different types of links. So whether you want Web 2.0 properties, or you want blog links, or you want forum links. And so I just organized it um, into a really nice organized spreadsheet and I sold that and um, and I mean it didn't do very well I didn't really know what I was doing but that's that's it kind of got the ball rolling and and that's kind of how I got started right so it wasn't like you hit a home run right out of the gate but it was enough to be like all right I think there's something here yeah I mean absolutely not I mean I didn't really have any connections with other um, affiliates which you know looking Looking to where I am now, I mean, uh, building your own internal email list and having connections with affiliates who have their own email list is really what helps to drive instant traffic and, and generate sales for your products. And so I didn't really have any of those connections. I was brand new to the industry per se. And so um, it, it was really me just kind of you know dabbling and in, in creating my own product. It really – I was really just going through the motions, not really expecting anything out of it. After you released that first – that toolkit, what was next? Did you like, all right, I need to make something different or, or how did you approach that? I was working on a few different projects. Um, I was working on a training program, just basically me uh, doing video training. Uh, I believe it was on on SEO. Uh, it was it wasn't. I actually never even released it, so I was working on that. And then, um, if you've heard of the product Pop Up Domination, it's a WordPress plugin. It's been around for a really long time. I think they still sell it today. Um, I really I was using that product on a lot of my a lot of my sites, and so. Uh, I reached out and found out who developed that product, and so I want. I thought it would be cool to create a piece of software. Um, it seemed like software um, sold really, really well. It was something. Um, it had. Um, that tangibility factor, and, and and you can charge a lot more with software. And so I reached out to the developers of Pop-Up Domination, and I said, hey, I have this idea for a WordPress plugin, but you know I'm not a developer, and so I was wondering if I could hire you. And so I had saved a little bit just from my, you know, I had a little bit of, of income coming in from managing clients, and uh, I invested, I forgot what it was, it was like twenty five to $30,000, which 
looking back on it was a massive risk considering I didn't really have any, you know, clout in in the space. I didn't have partners. I didn't have anything. So I kind of took a leap of faith and, and created this plugin by hiring this development team. And so I had this, this product, it was, it's called List Eruption, and uh, I still sell it today. Now it's, it's, it's on version 2.0, uh, it's evolved. Um, but yeah, so I created this, this new WordPress plugin that I didn't really know what to do with. <laughs> <laughs> so you have this product created, and then it's like, all right, now what? Yeah, and so I knew I needed someone else to kind of come in and guide me. And so, you know, I'd been kind of monitoring the marketplace to see what people, you know, were launching. I kind of knew who the main players were, who were launching really ni- you know, nice products that they had good support. They they were, you know, doing really well. You know, you could see, you know, as an affiliate, if you sign up for people's uh, affiliate lists, you can see, you know, you can get updates on product launches and things that are going on. And so, I reached out to a few different product creators that seemed credible and one of them was interested you know i just said hey i created this product and um i you know i I was very honest and open i was like yeah i don't have a lot of experience or connections would you be interested in launching uh, doing an official launch with me and we'll split the profits and that that's kind of how i was able to get my product out there to a marketplace and generate uh thousands of sales really and so was that your first bigger success with products yeah, it, it was. I mean, that was kind of how I got things snowballed. Uh, and, and when I went that route and brought on kind of a mentor to kind of show me the ropes, it really opened my eyes as to, you know, so much opportunity, right? I mean, I got to meet all the top affiliates who I probably wouldn't have been able to get in front of if I tried to just say, hey, you know, here's my product, you know, come promote me. They don't, they don't know, who, they didn't know who I was. So it was a great way to get my foot in the door um, by building those relationships. And then also just seeing the systems and processes that were in place to, um, to, to do a proper product launch and bring it to market. Was that first affiliate you reached out to, did they become your mentor or was that something unrelated? Yeah, no, they did. I mean, we actually became partners um, down the road, uh, and we created uh, many products together. So you you, you kind of never know what's what's going to happen. So, you know, this person um, was you know very knowledgeable, incredible in the space, and uh, that product did really well. And I was like, well, you know, I have other ideas, and 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 he was interested in it. And so we so we partnered on a few different projects. And so you know that was kind of a, a thing. That was just a stepping stone to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. And up until that point, you're still doing a bit of client work on the side. Yeah, I was doing a, kind of a hybrid. You know, I was managing some some uh, a lot of SEO work uh, for clients, and then also creating products. And so, I mean, the, the products that we were creating, I wouldn't say it was enough to kind of you know fully go off in, into that direction. So, like I was saying earlier, it, it was it was a it was a transition that happened over a few years where I was finally able to, you know, create enough different products and programs and build my network and build my list, my email list, where I was like, you know what, you know, this is actually making me more money than my client work. I'm going to just dump it and, and move, move strictly to product creation. Right, because how was it in those earlier days that you balanced the client work with the products? So I know a lot of agencies, they want to get into products, but at the same time, they still need to pay the bills. So they'll work on the product for a month or a few weeks and they'll jump back to client work. And when they keep switching back and forth, it's really hard to get traction. So how did you make it work? Yeah, I mean, I just, it was just good old sweat equity, you know, just putting in 70, 80 hours a week. I mean, I was, I was a workhorse back then, you know, I'd I'd wake up and just, and just put my head down and, and just work really, really hard. So, I mean, obviously there were, 
there were certain things that I did from managing my clients, my SEO work, where I was very efficient with my time building in processes. And, and uh, I did have a few kind of virtual assistants or some outsourcing teams that helped me with my SEO work. So I was able to delegate a lot of that, the heavy lifting to them. So it, it opened up some time so I could focus on on the product side. Right. And that's what I've heard so much of is that like, if you don't have the processes in place, if you're like the agency owner, you're constantly putting out fires, dealing with whatever comes up, it's going to be really hard to find the time to do something different. So it's like the first step is almost kind of get your agency in order so that you have not necessarily the freedom because it still takes a ton of time, but you have the ability to step away at least part of the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so it was it was one of those things when I went off when I first went off on my own, I was taking any and all clients, like anyone who would pay me money. I didn't really care. Like, I mean, cause obviously everyone knows there's, there's good and bad clients. The majority of them are bad, but I mean, or, or just, they're just very needy. Exactly. Right? They're always, Not necessarily and bad, but they're going to be a pain <laughs> in the ass. Yeah, and you and it's and it's usually uh, the less that they pay you, the more that they need you, right? So, um, I didn't really have the luxury of picking and choosing who my clients were in the beginning. But then, as I started to create products and started generating some revenue from that, I started to really fire some of my clients who were just eating up a lot of my time and not really paying me enough for for my time. So it's just really you know like how much is your time worth? And as I started to create products and and really generate a new revenue stream my my time became more valuable and so i was able to really remove some of those clients who were eating up that time and just kind of pick and choose the clients that i wanted to hang on to right it's like when you have the extra revenue coming in from the products or from wherever it breaks you away from the kind of feast or famine cycle that so many agency owners know that you're able to actually say you know what i don't want to work on this project because you know you're going to have enough cash coming in that you'll be okay you'll make it to the next one yeah exactly when was the tipping point where you said i'm not doing any more client work anymore oh uh, it's a good question um i want to say it was it was you know we we started doing product launches where each product launch we were doing six figures so you know we do like anywhere between 100 and 300,000 in in revenue so once i started creating products i built that network of affiliates and i i learned the system of okay we need to have a sales page we need to get sales copy done we need to get a sales design we need to have a sales funnel and i started learning like I started just creating a process for how to streamline a product launch. And so we started doing, you know, three, four, five different product launches, whether it was a info product, whether it was a piece of software. And these things started to snowball and people started reaching out to me and being like, hey, I really love the products that you're putting out. I lo- you know, they seem to be doing very well. Would you be interested in launching a product with me? So like I, I, I started to become, you know, the mentor per se. And that was actually really it, be, it became really easy to launch products really fast because they weren't even my products. So um, instead of creating them myself, people would come to me and be like, hey, I have this product and I had something of value because I started building a network of affiliates and people who wanted to promote these products. And I had a I had a great designer and I, I had a great copy guy and I just had a system in place to do really successful launches. And so I started just creating consistent revenue from products that weren't even mine 
And so I had a mixture of products that weren't mine and ones that were. And I think that was really the tipping point when people started to come to me and being like, hey, I have this product. I just don't know how to how to market it. I don't know how to make sales from it. And I did. I, I learned how to do that. And I think that was the tipping point. In those early days, I'm sure there's a ton, a ton of trial and error figuring out this launch process. But where are you, other than just experimenting, like where are you learning? Who are you learning from on how to do this the right way? It was really just just monitoring the marketplace and just seeing what people wanted. I mean, I, you know, I, I I've gotten to a point now where you know, you've seen so many products come to a marketplace, you you almost know what's going to do well and what's not as long as you just look as long as you just look at the trends, right? Um, and and what what's hot, what's not? You know, back when I started creating products, uh, WordPress plugins, WordPress themes, those were really really popular. Now the market has evolved, and now it's more about SaaS, you know, web web apps. Um, but really, just monitoring what people were doing, and so um, you know, products that have mass appeal, um, products that uh, you know, like uh, anything like traffic related. Um, uh, webinar related, the, all that, like, I, like you just kind of know if it's going to do well, and it has a unique selling proposition that your competitors don't have. Um, so you, you just, you just kind of know from being entrenched in it day in and day out, kind of what's going to work, what's not going to work, and just monitoring what other similar products uh, are doing. And and I always say, you know, now that I've been creating products for such a long time, you don't necessarily want to reinvent the wheel. You just want to make the wheel better. So. You know, if you if you say, "Oh my God, I have this amazing idea. It's never been done before." That's a major red flag that the product probably isn't going to do very well. Um, There's probably a reason it, it hasn't been done before. Th- that's that's exactly right. It's it's almost impossible to create something so completely unique that you know it's going to be the next Facebook, mm-hmm. right? So what I always like to do is, is, is create something that you, you know, has proven to work in a marketplace, but just make it better or you build be, a better be mousetrap. Price. Yeah, exactly. And so how much of the success, obviously the first part is building something that people actually want and are willing to pay for. But from there, it seems like there's so many different routes to market, to promote, to do all those things. How much have you relied on your ability to build and cultivate this strong network of affiliates and partners? Is that one of the major reasons you've been so successful? It's it's two things. Uh, it's a combination of continuing to grow that network of affiliate partners, and it's being able to maximize every single customer that comes through the door. So, you know, if someone's willing to pay you forty dollars, what can you get them? You know, how can you get them to pay you a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, right? Or getting that customer that's willing to pay you one time to get you to pay, you know, on a subscription base, right? And once they're paying thirty dollars a month, how can you get them to pay you a hundred dollars a month and five hundred dollars? a month, right? So it's really, you know, I've, I've always created like a suite of products. Like a product ladder. Tr- yeah, exactly. And just continuously move them up that ladder and get them to buy more stuff or willing to pay more for your products and services. Because mm-hmm. it's almost like, I, I forget if it was Dan Kennedy or who said it, but it, they, the, the point always comes back to whoever can spend the most to acquire a customer is going to win. And whoever is going to make the most money from the customer is just, it's a better business, it's easier to grow, and you're going to have way more margin to work with rather than just selling a $27 ebook or whatever it is. You want to have a full suite that you can then move them through as their life cycle progresses. Is that accurate? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, th- that's the whole point, right? I mean, if you can if you can make five hundred dollars instead of a hundred dollars from every customer that comes to the door, what type of opportunity does that make for your business, right? That means you can spend more to acquire the customer because you know that you're going to make more from that customer, right? That that allows you to invest into better people in your business, better. De- designers, developers, whoever it may be, right? And then also just maybe it's just quality of life stuff, right? Maybe it's just taking more vacations or buying a cool car, whatever, you know, whatever makes you happy. So I'm curious, I'm looking at your site now, how many products do you have out there? We have, there's probably about 20. There are some products that just didn't do well and we just kind of close the doors to them and we don't, we don't really sell them anymore, right? I mean, because like the way that I built my company was like, I didn't want to just try to hit the home run. And if, and if I don't hit a home run, then my company is going to implode, right? I've always tried to juggle three, four, five different projects at one time because if one or two projects or products didn't do well, then, you know, hopefully one or two will, right? Yeah, you're making so, a bunch of small bets rather than just one huge one. Yeah, and, and that's at least how I always looked at things when I first started out. Now, if you ask me that same question right now today, um, I'm going to say the complete opposite. I'm going to say, you know what, now that we are in a position where we can invest more time, money, and energy into that home run, right, where we need more we need more developers. We need more money to invest to compete with the marketplace. Okay, then um, th- you know we're in a better position to do that now. Where like so, what I did three to five years ago, or or for the past three to five years, those were stepping stones to get to where we are today. Which um, now we're we're investing a lot of our time and energy into our payment and affiliate platform, which which we're hoping is going to become a you know multi-million dollar business, but we wouldn't have been able to create this platform um, unless we did the things that we did for the last you know three to five years. It's almost like what you're talking about when you're shifting away from client work. It's that in the beginning, you're taking anything and everything that comes because you need the cash. And so it's like if you need cash, if, if you don't have a stable sort of income stream – it's not too smart to just try to swing for the home run. And if you strike out, you're going broke. You're not going to have enough money to pay your rent and all this and that. you got to start small. But once you have had a few of those base hits, once you do have some really solid recurring revenue coming in or even just steady revenue coming in, then you're able to make those bigger bets because you know if they don't work out, you're going to be okay. Right, and especially if you if you bootstrap it yourself, right? So I mean, we've we've bootstrapped our company, um, so we've never taken money from VCs or investors. Um, n- not to say that that's a bad direction to go. There's plenty of successful companies out there that take investment money and they do go for that home run. But I mean, that that's just not the direction that we went. So me and uh, my partner, we own our company 100%. There's no investors. There's no one to really. You know, we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. But at some point in time, you may want to go that direction if you're looking to really scale it out. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a point where you consider taking investment? Um, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there, you've been offered. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been certain offers um, here and there. I mean, that 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 could be something in the future that we look into, um, especially as we we look to grow our pay Kickstar platform. You know, when I first started out, it wasn't really something I thought about. It was like, okay, I'm going to just create this product to, but but always having that long term goal in mind, right? It's you see lots of people who create products, and they always look at that shiny object 
syndrome where it's like, oh my God, okay, if I create this product, you know, I can get a nice spike of, of money from this launch and then it dies down, right? And then we do another product launch and then it dies down. But they don't actually think about how can I get these people to continuously pay me, you know, uh, you know, every month or every year without having to go back and reinvent the wheel and create more and more products. So at some point in time, you need to you need to, you know, put your your the money that you do make from your products into something that's a larger play. For all these 20 plus products, it seemed like your your biggest bet is FO and pay kickstart. But how many of the others are you actively promoting now? Yeah, so, you know, out of those 20 to 25 products, there's probably four to five products that have just have risen above right. the rest, right? I mean, it's just kind of a the it's like the, stuff. it's it is it's the it really is the eighty twenty rule, and so you know, like Easy VSL, which is our video um, desktop video app, um, Press Play, Heat Map Tracker, Social. There's so there's just a handful of products that have just done really well, and and they just there's a bigger audience, there's more demand for it. They just they convert better, and so those we've identified those products, and those are the ones that we're really putting our our time and effort into. So you know we're working on Easy VSL 3.0, we're working on Press Play 2.0, we're working. So if the money is in those products, well then we just know we need to improve on them. It's already proven to convert, and people want it. So we're just going to improve on them, and then hopefully, if they were willing to spend forty-seven dollars one time for that product, well, if we improve on it, maybe they'll want to spend ninety-seven dollars, or you know, twenty-seven dollars a month, or whatever. So we're just continuously improving on those products that have proven to convert. It goes along with what you're saying about the, the smaller bets: is that some of those are going to have disproportionate results to the rest. And once you see that, once you see the market responding positively, you don't just want to move on to the next one. You want to say, wait, let's run with this. Let's see where we can take it. So that's why I'm assuming you're devoting more resources to these ones that did turn out to be more than just a single. Yeah, th- yeah, that's exactly right. And and also from a marketing perspective, you know, maybe going and building funnels around those uh those products. So maybe paid funnels where you're doing Facebook ads or evergreen webinars that you're running traffic through. So, I mean, if you can have a proof of concept for a product and and it's proven to convert, then scale it out and see, you know, how far how big of a market there actually is out there because there's probably going to be other opportunities of traffic that you can explore outside of just maybe what you already know or, or your own internal email list. And so now that I've clicked through about a dozen of different pages, how many ads am I going to get on Facebook sending me into these funds? <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, we don't do nearly as much paid traffic as we want to. That That's actually uh, one of our, our, our kind of goals for the next, you know, 2017 and moving on is, um, is, is, building out more paid funnel. We probably only run, there's probably one paid funnel for each of our, our core products out there. Um, so that is something that we're looking to invest more time and, and energy into moving forward. Is the reason you haven't invested much energy into it because the results from the joint ventures, the affiliates, the partners, because you were getting such great results from that? And so it's sort of like, why distract ourselves with something new when what we're doing is working or what, why haven't you yet done much with the Facebook ads? I mean, that, that is um, what we've known. We've, we've spent a lot of our time and energy building affiliates relationships. So it's, it's really easy for us, right? Cause we've, we've, we've taken the time to build out those relationships. So it, it is easy, right? We can just be like, Hey, would you be interested in running a promotion? Right? So it's really easy to do that. And of course there's no upfront investments, 
uh, you know, paid traffic, right? Um, whereas with paid, with on the paid side of things, you need to really monitor and tweak and do. And it's it's hard work, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta split test and try different ad copy and really maximize uh, the the return on investment from each ad. Um, so it it wasn't necessarily something that we we personally have had a lot of experience in. We just recently did hire a uh, an ad agency to kind of help us out with that side of things. So again, it's something that we are looking to scale out because there is so much opportunity. I mean, it's really there's an endless amount of paid traffic that you can get that you can get. It's really just a matter of of targeting it the right way and, and building a, a proper sales funnel. And especially when you have that product ladder in place, especially when you're able to maximize the value of every customer. You're really able to then you just have way more opportunities with the paid advertising because you're able to spend more profitably. Yeah, exactly. I mean, each of our products has some sort of a sales funnel. Maybe only one upsell up to you know three or four upsells. But um, you know, the the cool thing about email traffic, whether it's your own internal email list or from affiliates, is um, it's it's instant traffic. So you can really test a funnel really really fast. Um, just within a day or two to see if it converts. And then you could flip a switch on from a paid ad and drive additional traffic if you know it's converting well. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how big is your team today? Um, there are, let's see, I'm just looking right now. There's about, I don't know, 12 to 14 developers. We have two, we've got two designers, like one's a, um, like a sales page designer, another guy's like a, uh, an app design, like software uh, UI guy. And then we have uh, about s- six uh, support guys that just are in our desk, just handling customer support. Because one of the things is that you mentioned it early on is that as you grow an agency, really you need to increase your overhead by hiring and hiring. And while that's you don't need to hire as quickly in software to grow. You still do need to build a team. And it seems like you've built a good sized team. So like, how are you managing that today? Like what is that your responsibility? Do you have someone in charge of that? What does that look like? Yeah. So, uh, well, one thing that we've, that's made our life a whole lot easier is, is by using Hubstaff uh, just to track time and ensure that, that everyone's doing the work that they're supposed to be doing and that we're being efficient. So we have, we have managers of our developers. We have a support manager that manages our support team. Um, our designers are kind of, they, they take direction from me and my partner. Um, so f- for the most part, my partner and I, we kind of just manage the high level stuff. Um, and then we have uh, kind of managers who manage each of the different d- departments, if you will. But um, we're still lean enough where you know if we need to make a quick decision, you know we we get we get stuff done. So right, you don't need to go through five layers of approvals just to get something done. Yeah, and we and we've beefed up our development team um, for like we have a team that works strictly on our pay kickstart app, and then we have a team that kind of just manages uh, and, and um, works on technical tickets for existing products, and then we have a team that handles. Um, you know the, the the new versions of some of our other existing applications. So I mean, it's pretty streamlined. Uh, even though you know our team is probably about twenty five people right now, right? Which isn't too bad. No, but but that's the thing. Is like I'm guessing on the first the first few hires, it wasn't necessarily so streamlined. This was another process that you had to figure out as you went. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, so when I first started, I mean, I, I even partnered with developers, right? So it's like, I didn't even have to incur that cost where I'd be like, Hey developer, create this product. I'll market it. We'll split the the profits from it. So, 
um, that was a really easy way for me to not have to really incur any costs. Um, and, and so it kind of went from there. So I would partner with people or I would hire it out and have it created. And then, you know, sometimes uh, I, would, I would hire a full-time developer, but I'd have them working, you know, they'd be a hybrid doing a whole bunch of different things. Maybe they're, you know, creating a new app and then they're supporting an, an existing app. But so it, did, it wasn't as, uh, you know, departmentalized as it is today. It was, it was kind of a wild, wild west, uh, you know, looking back on it. <laughs> At what point did you say like, all right, we need a bit more structure here? Um, I probably, probably not until about, I don't know, maybe like two, two years ago or, or even less, maybe a year or two ago when we're, we were finally, when we finally got to the point where, you know, we, we started, we started generating a lot of reoccurring revenue where we didn't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel. We could go and invest a lot of our time on bigger projects, um, where the competition was less, but you had to really, you know, you had to up your game when it came to a product or a piece of software that you want to create. Um, but but in doing that, by creating bigger products, we're able to say, hey, it's going to be $99 a month or it's going to be, you know, $49 a month, right? And people will be willing to pay it because, you know, we're at that, the, the, the highest level of our competitors. So, I mean, it didn't happen overnight, um, but, you know, obviously, you know, we, we've create we've taken our products to a point where we feel that they are at you know the top of of the food chain in terms of our competition. Interesting, because I'm not trying to turn this into an ad for HubStuff, but I, I wouldn't be doing my job <laughs> if I didn't do a little bit of customer development here. Of course. So I'm curious, like, was there what originally led you to HubStuff or just a time tracking tool in general? Um, you know, it's well, it was really just having checks and balances, right? I mean, because we have a virtual team, so we have guys in South Africa, we have guys in, in d- different parts of Europe. Uh, they're all over the place. I I have my home office. Uh, my partner has an office in 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 Indiana where he is, and so we're all over the place. And so, I mean, you want to be tr- you want to trust your employees, right? But I, I, I mean, it's it can be hard sometimes, right? I mean, you want to make sure that you're being efficient with your time. And so, um, you know, we've been able to actually catch uh, people using, uh, you know, using Hubstaff and either like spoofing hours or not being efficient or just being on Facebook and, you know, watching YouTube videos all day long. And it's like, hey, you know, we're paying you. Some people we pay by the hour. Some some people we pay by salary. But we want to make sure that you're efficient with your time because time really is money. And if you're and if you're just messing around all day long, you know, we're not we're not going to deal with that. So part of it was just making sure that we have checks and balances that people are getting things done. The other part was just 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 sheer okay, I'm going to pay you by the hour. I want you to be able to track all of your time. I want to see where you're spending your time, if it's on different projects. Um, Do you, know, you maybe guys integrate I have, with any of the project management tools or anything like that? We don't. I mean, we, we use um, both uh, Basecamp and Jira. We mm-hmm. use Jira for our software, more of our technical projects, and then we use Basecamp for just kind of marketing-related stuff. Um, but we actually don't do any type of integration. I, I know you guys have added some, right? Yeah, because I mean, we, we do integrate with Basecamp and, and Jira. So I might send you an email to say, hey, Mark, you should probably set these up. Because no, because one of the cool things that I've seen with talking to a lot of different agency owners with who do have the integration set up, it's like, Instead of just – the number one thing that people get brought into HubSaf for is usually accountability. It's they want to just know that what their team is working on wherever they are and not have to worry about that. And then it's obviously it's just having all the data in one place, make it easy to do payroll, all of that stuff. 
But a lot of people, once they dig into it, it'll be like when they set up their in the integrations with project management, they can then look at more like efficiency things like, oh, like this person is spending way too much time on these types of tasks. Maybe one, there's someone who could do that faster or two, we need to improve our processes so they can get quicker with it. And like that's where it can be kind of a level up and really give some deep insights into just how things are working. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, honestly, Hubstaff has, has – it really has transformed my business because it, it's really allowed my business to scale and grow because I don't have to sit there and worry about – each of my employees and what they're doing and, and making sure, you know, so like if, if I ever have a question, I'm like, Hmm, you know, this, this guy usually is pretty efficient. And then all of a sudden he kind of dropped off. I don't know what's going on. I can go back and just check and see what's going on. I mean, I've, unfortunately, you know, you don't want to use Hubstaff or a tool like that to, you know, to, to be like, you know, the, the big brother or like, be, you know, look, look over the shoulder, but we've had people, um, I mean, we've had unethical, um, employees, unfortunately, right. I mean, we had someone that was, um, he had a, what's called mouse jiggle. It's a, it's basically a little app that you run in the background and it jiggles the mouse every few seconds and it tracks time. And like, we're like, how is this guy working 75 hours a week? <laughs> I mean, like, and he never said like high he activity just here. Yeah. yeah the, the activity was through the roof. We're like this guy doesn't even go to the bathroom. What's, what's going on with this guy. And we, and we found out through Hubstaff and you know, you can see the different apps that are running in the background. We saw this mouse jiggle thing. We're like, well, what's going on? And, and so it allowed us to like say, Hey, you know, you're, really call on them and get, get rid of them. And, and, and so it really helps us to find great, talented developers um, who are efficient with their time. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, so when you've removed a lot of that manual management from your day-to-day, what does a typical day look like for you? For me, it's it's a little. I mean, it's all over the the board right now. I mean, that's I guess that's one of the things I love about what I do. It's just every day is a little different um, because we're so entrenched into our payment affiliate platform right now. I've been spending a lot of my time with that. So it's it's even helping out with kind of QA. So and just the overall direction of the platform. So I'll even get in in there and do some wireframes on new features that I want created. And then I'll pass it over to my design. He'll do the user interface for it. He'll pass it over to the developer. The developer will, imp- um, will implement the functionality, and then he'll pass it over to Quality Assurance, of which then me or my partner or someone in our dev team will go through and do some rigorous testing, make sure that it's working well. So really, we're we're at least over the last six you know six to twelve months since we uh, well we launched the platform about three months ago. Um, we're just hammering home new features and making sure that the system is working really well. So I've spent a lot of my time just recently working on that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it wasn't always like that. Is pay kickstart? Is that live right now? Yeah, I mean, we, we went live about, about three months ago now. Um, it's the end of November. So yeah, so about three months ago. So, um, you know, we had kind of an early beta, uh, program, which we let in about, I don't know, maybe 50 people and they were kind of just testing it out, really trying to break it, right. Find all the bugs and fix it up. So then we can release it to the general public. So my job, my day to day is kind of ensuring that everything the the machine is running properly and then also the mark the marketing side of things so you know we've created a, a nice webinar offering for this for a pay kickstart um you know making sure that the support desk isn't getting um you know backed up right and now i'm not 
in support really answering tickets right. like I like I used to <laughs> when I was doing 70 80 hours a week because we now we have a system in place for those you know, for kind of our first line support guys and then our second line tech support guys. So we have a system in place for that, but um, just making sure that the machine is running smoothly, really. Interesting. I think that's a good transition into a few rapid fire questions. Again, you don't need to answer them too quickly. I'll just ask them one after the other. All right. Sure. All right. So the first one is just on that. What do you spend too much time on day to day? Too much time on uh, testing right now. Just like I was saying, we're spending we because Pay Kickstart has just been released to the public. Even though we, you know, we have beta users, we we have all of our developers testing. You can never do too much testing. You want to make sure that it's that it's working smoothly. And sometimes you only have one shot at acquiring a customer and, and getting them to use your your platform. So um, I do spend a lot of my time recently just doing a lot of QA. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if there were more hours in the day, what would you spend more time doing? Um, just business development type stuff, just um, figuring out unique integrations, unique partnerships uh, to help expose our new platform. Nice. And then the last one is just what are the long-term plans for digital Kickstarter? And I think a lot of those are going to be around pay Kickstarter. So what are those long-term plans? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, we've really tried to separate the two entities. So there's Digital Kickstart, which is kind of all of our different products. Um, on that side of things, we're really focused on the products that have really made us the most money, right? The the twenty percent. Um, so you know, we're going, we're already working on um, th- three of those products. Are already working on new iterations of the of those um, products. So we're going to be doing individual product. Uh, launches for each of those as we come up with new uh, new releases uh, of those, and then and then pay Kickstart um, is going to be. I mean that that's its own business, and really just t- start to really scale that out and spread the word about it. So um, that's really what we're focused on for the future. Awesome. And so, Mark, what I want to do to wrap things up, I'm curious, who should look into a product like pay Kickstart? Like, who is that built for? I mean, really any online entrepreneur, any online business owner, if you want to sell a product, um, pay kickstarts, a great solution. So, um, not to go too, too far into this, but you know, I've, I've tried all the different solutions out there without naming, uh, you know, uh, without singling any of them out. Um, there's pros and cons to each of them. And we, you know, being product creators ourselves, we have the unique kind of uh, ability to really understand exactly what product creators need and want. Um, so anyone who's trying to sell a product, they, you don't need to necessarily even have developers or designers because we have things like customizable checkout pages and one-click upsell functionality, which if, you, if you're not using one-click upsells in your sales funnel, you're, you can miss out on a ton of um, you know, additional profits from just – a person being able to put in their credit card information or their PayPal information once, and then clicking yes, you know, to on on different upsells in your sales funnels, right? Um, you know, it integrates with all of your different your email platform, maybe your a membership site. So really, it's it's a central hub to manage your online business. Interesting, yeah, and it's like. Yeah. You're talking about this before, but it's that agency owners who do want to get into products. There's just so much that goes into the actual building of the product that it's like you don't want to just add one more thing of like, oh, now I need to figure out how people are going to pay me. I need to figure out all this other stuff. And so it's like a tool like Pay Kickstart is going to make that a lot easier. So to check that out, it's just is paykickstart.com the best place to go for that? 
Yeah, just go to paykickstart.com. You can uh, take a we have a 14 day free trial on there right now. Um, we don't charge per transaction fees, which is kind of uh, unique. So it's just a really it's a it's a one time flat monthly fee. Uh, right now, it's currently at ninety nine dollars a month, and you can do as much transaction you know as you want to. So yeah, you can go there and, and you know test it out, and you know like like I was saying. Back, you know, when I first started in product launches, I wish I had a platform like this where I could, you know, basically have my product listed and ready to go, and I could start selling it and, and uh, you know, having affiliates promoted and keep track of commissions and pay them out and do all that stuff um, with the flip of a switch. I wish I had it, you know, back three to five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so, have you implemented this in all the other products? Like, are you now building out the funnels for your other products using Pay Kickstart? Yeah, so I mean, we're we're about ninety percent of the way there. So we've we had a, a, a an older internal system that we used to use, and you know, we were like, people were always wondering what system we used to to house all of our products, and we're like, oh, it's it's kind of an internal thing. And then finally, we're just like, you know what, we're going to build this and and release it to the world. So we actually rebuilt it from the ground up, and that's what Pay Kickstart is today. So. We're in the we're in the process of finally moving over. I think our last two or three products into Pay Kickstart, so then affiliates can just use the one system instead of the old system that we're that we were using. If listeners are more curious to hear about just what Digital Kickstart's up to in general, what you're doing, where should they go to follow you to follow Digital Kickstart? Yeah, I mean, you can go to digitalkickstart.com. So we have a blog. We have, um, I actually have my own podcast as well where I interview other entrepreneurs. You can see all of our different products that we're offering. Um, you know, you can sign up for, we have lots of different like free guides and PDFs. You can sign up to get on our, on our email list. We're always, um, letting our subscribers know, you know, what we have coming up. We have, we do webinars and free trainings and we're always, you know, promoting other people's products that we think are, are, uh, you know, uh, above, you know, the rest. So yeah, you can go there. Awesome. And so, Mark, I just want to say thanks again so much for coming on the show today. It was a lot of fun chatting. Yeah, Andy, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. $20 million in product sales absolutely blew me away. But what's important to remember is that Mark didn't just get there overnight. He didn't hit a home run with his first launch, but what he did is he found a mentor, learned as much as he could, and kept trying again and again and again, all the while refining his approach until he could, in his words, easily pull off six-figure launches. There were three main takeaways I got from this interview. First, start out with a product that is in an area you're an expert in and ideally solves a problem you currently have. For Mark, this was a Link Builders toolkit because he ran an SEO agency. While for a previous guest, Brian Castle, who runs a content marketing agency, it was a plugin to make content upgrades easy to set up. Second, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. In fact, you probably shouldn't. If your goal is to create a revolutionary product that has never been thought of before, then I wish you luck, but I'm not going to bet on you. Mark suggests taking the approach of trying to build a better mousetrap. Find a product that people are already paying money for and make it better a lot better. Third, use software to help you manage your team so you can get out of the minutia in the day-to-day and focus on growing your business. I happen to know a good tool to do that and it's called Hubstaff. If you go to try.hubstaff.com forward slash podcast, you can get a 30% discount exclusive to listeners of this podcast to try it out. That's try.hubstaff, H-U-B-S-T-A-F-F dot com forward slash podcast. If you want to get into products, and honestly, what agency owner doesn't, then learn from Mark's experience and follow these tips. They're not going to guarantee your success by any means, but they will make things a hell of a lot easier. 
That's all I have for you this week. If you enjoyed the show and learned something, head over to iTunes and leave a review. Tell me what it was that you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.